Hey, friend, I hope you're doing well. I'm watching another beautiful sunrise over the plains of Wyoming. It's a beautiful day and enjoying the last few amazing sunrises here in Wyoming. I hope things are going well for you. I hope the COVID-19 deal isn't wrecking you economically or financially. I met a young man yesterday who got laid off, and this is just, it's impacting a lot of people, millions of people around the world in serious financial strain, relationships in trouble, a lot of suicide, a lot of depression. This this thing has been far more damaging socially, economically, um, and for the mental health of millions and millions of people than it ever has been from a virology or epidemiology standpoint. And uh, just know that we're all in it together. We're praying for you. I hope your state or your country is opening up uh, if it's appropriate to do so. Uh, and I hope, uh, Lisa and I continue to hope and pray that um, you're connected with somebody. Um, if you're listening to this, connect with us too. Um, not just through the podcast, but if you go to my website, wleewarrenmd.com slash newsletter, every Sunday I send out uh, a letter. It's basically prescriptions for a better life. It's all kinds of different things. I think it's some of my best work, and it's connecting people all over the world. And we've been doing Zoom calls almost every week during this time uh, since everybody's kind of isolated. And it's been amazing to see how this community has come together through the medium of Zoom and just get to know each other. We've now got people connected to each other because they connected to Lisa and me through the newsletter or through my books or the blog or the podcast. And now we've got relationships forming all over the world, and it's just really something special. So um, hook up with us on Zoom. Let us see your face. Let us hear your story. Uh, We'd like to get to know you. Um, The invitation to the Zoom meetings are always in the newsletter. So you got to get the newsletter, wleewarnmd.com slash newsletter. Um, it's free. I don't sell you anything. I mean, I sell books, um, but it but it's free, and no pressure. You just get to know us um, and connect with Zoom, and I think it will bless you and benefit you, especially if you're feeling isolated. Uh, hook up with us. Let us let us know you're out there, um, and we'd love to hear from you. If you don't want to sign up for the newsletter, but you would like to be on the Zoom call, just email me Lee at drleewarren.com. I'll send you the link. Um, lately, we've been talking about the basics of self-brain surgery, to learn how to think about our thinking. And the ideas behind the new book I'm writing are all coalescing uh, from this concept of self-brain surgery, and I'm tentatively titling the book Infinitely Happier, A Neurosurgeon's Thoughts on Thinking. But today we're going to do a little bit of relationship brain surgery, because when you're trying to change your life, it seems like there's always one person, I call him that guy, there's always that guy out there trying to stymie you. I did a ver- I did an episode of the old You Start Today podcast, I think it was episode 31, back in 2015 about I hate that guy. And it was about learning how to love your enemies, basically. Um, and so I've been thinking about this sort of thing for a long time. This relationship brain surgery is a, an important concept. But the thing I want to talk about today is a crucial concept in your own well-being, and it is that you've got to stop trying to change that guy. You have to stop trying to change that guy. If there's somebody out there that just stymies you at every turn, drives you crazy, they're your enemy, and you can't make it better, quit trying. I'm going to give you some tools today to help learn how to have a better relationship with that guy and when it might be time to stop trying to have a relationship with that guy. Last episode... We talked about the new job that I'm taking and the new place that Lisa and I are moving to. I am so pumped about it because Lisa and I and the team that we're putting together 
and the great folks at this new hospital um, are bringing neurosurgery to a community that's never had access before. People die in this hospital every year because there's not a neurosurgeon. People have to fly out of there every year because there's been no neurosurgeon. And so the last third of my career here, hopefully, I'm going to go and build something with Lisa from the ground up, similar to what we did in Alabama, um, except in Alabama there had been neurosurgeons in the past there, just not in the 10 years or so before I got there. Um, so this will be something new. We, this community has never had access to neurosurgery. So we're so excited and we're determined to make it the most successful and exciting part of our career. I want you to make the same type of decision, though. I want you to decide to purpose in your heart that success is the only option you will accept because you're tired of being stuck in some place in your life. Listen, all of us who try things, all of us who, like we talked about last time, all of us who have the courage to get in the arena and try something new, all of us will experience failure. But I want you to understand the difference between failing at something and being a failure because you're never a failure if you just keep trying. So we're going to make a decision that success is the only option and we are not going to be stuck anymore. So what if you could be guaranteed? What if I could guarantee you that if you had a solid purpose, if you planned carefully and had a little help here and there, that there would be no chance that you could fail to make major life changes happen in your mind, body, spirit, work, and relationships? Well, I'm here to tell you that that's possible because if you try and apply the right techniques, solid planning, purposing, and careful thought, you can change your life. You can. Nobody knows what life's going to hold for us. And, and the most important thing, whether it's COVID-19, global pandemic, losing your job, getting cancer, losing a child, all those things that can happen to you, they cannot keep you from being happy and they cannot steal your joy unless you let them. So learning how to think about how to set ourselves different, set our um, emotions apart from our circumstance is the crucial piece of self-brain surgery that we have to have if we're going to have an abundant, joyful life because there are going to be hard things. So there's no telling what might come along in your life, but if we're put together right, we can not just survive but actually thrive despite our circumstances, and we can have that healthier, better, happier life that I'm always talking about. Well, Today we're going to talk about what to do when there's that guy out there the guy that's getting in your way, causing you trouble, being mean or abusive or hateful or whatever, it requires self-brain surgery to learn to look at relationships in a new way. And you'll be surprised how effective it can be. And you might be saying, hey, Doc, hold on. How can I change my life? How can I learn to be infinitely happier? How can I change my mind when that guy keeps doing things to irritate me, hurt me, anger me, offend me, or cause me trouble? You know that guy, no matter how hard you try, there's that one person in your life who's always out there saying the wrong thing, not doing the right thing, holding you back, putting you down, being mean or neglectful or unfair or abusive to you. It might be more than one person. It might be your husband. It might be your mom. It might be your boss. But trust me, if you hate that guy, you're the one who's going to suffer. It's you. And remember how I'm always saying you can't change your life until you change your mind. Well, if you want to break free in 2020, if you want to break free in your life from the chains of having to be held down by a bad relationship or an irritable, irritating that guy, you have to learn how to have a heart full of love for that person, no matter what other people do. No matter what that guy does, you've got to be able to love him. And that's critical to your success as an individual human person. 
It might sound impossible, but I'm going to teach you how. If you want to become healthier, feel better, and be happier, you have to overcome obstacles and you have to cast off hindrances. You have to separate emotion from circumstance. And frequently, that means learning to deal with difficult people. In this episode, we're going to learn one valuable lesson using the power of self-brain surgery. We're going to stop trying to change that guy. Remember our theme verse for this Infinitely Happier series. The theme verse is Proverbs 17, 27, and 28 in the Passion Translation. Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That's how you show that you're wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. And friend, that's one of the secrets to becoming infinitely happier. Learning how to stay cool, calm, and collected no matter what we're facing. It's useful during a global pandemic. It's bridling our tongue, it's bridling our brain, and it's useful in everyday life. But how can we bridle our tongue? How can we change our thinking when that guy is always out there? Well, friend, we're going to find out how, and we're going to start today. Hey, I'm so glad to have you listening. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Wyoming in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa Warren, but only for about another week, and we're moving to Nebraska. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and we're here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery. To get that done, you can get the show notes and more on my website at wleewarnmd.com, and if you like the show, Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and share it with your friends because that's how we're going to get more global impact. We're already in 75 countries every week, but sharing it with your friends, that could be 150, 300 countries. We could get worldwide and help people all over the place if you would take the second to share with your friends. If you think it's valuable, share it with your friends. Hey, this is the Dr. Lee Warren Podcast where we're changing our minds so we can change our lives. Let's get after it. Okay, I forgot to tell you something. I'm so excited. You know my little um, friend, Lisa and I have made friends with this nine-year-old now, um, Eli Covert. Uh, here's what he sounds like. Hello, my name's Eli Covert. I'm eight years old, and I like listening to Dr. Warren's podcast because it helps people. And it makes me feel better. And I like what Warren talks about God. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I love how he signs off with thank you. Um, Eli just turned nine. Um, and tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, um, I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out, but I'm recording it on a Tuesday and the next day, Wednesday, um, I'm going to zoom with Eli's third grade class. Um, they've all got some brain questions for me and we're going to have a a little, uh, neuroanatomy, neuroscience lesson for a bunch of third graders and Eli's the man and it's going to be his class. And I'm so excited uh, to get to do that. This uh, global pandemic thing has created some amazing opportunities for people to connect in different ways. And I just can't encourage you enough to connect with folks. And our zoom call is a good example of that. Um, anyway, that's just a good aside. You know, lately we've been drilling into the idea of learning some techniques to sort of operate on our own minds, this self-brain surgery idea, about learning strategies to identify and attack things that have been holding us back in our lives. And sometimes it seems like there's so many places in which we're struggling that we don't know how to get started trying to change any of them. It seems overwhelming. But my dad always said, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So when you have a big task in front of you, all kinds of things that need to change, you just start working on them 
one at a time. So the bite we're going to take today is dealing with difficult people. If you want a lot of bang for your life change buck, this is a huge one because that guy can cause so much turmoil in your life that it can literally affect everything. It can affect your mind, your body, your spirit, your work, your other relationship, your finances. If that guy gets under your skin to the right point, he can ruin your life. But guess what? If that guy does ruin your life, it's your fault. I know that sounds harsh. It's 100% true. Now, hang on. Don't don't get alarmed and don't write in and say, hey, it's not your fault if somebody murders you or crashes into your car or hurts you or physically abuses you. You're right about that. That's not what I'm talking about. Let's just for a minute take an aside and let's talk about abuse for a second. Listen, friend, if you are in a house with somebody who physically harms you, hits you, sexually assaults you, you need to get out. You need to stop what you're doing, call the cops, report it, get out of there and get yourself safe. Do not stay in a house in a situation where you are in danger or your children are in danger. Get out of there. If you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, you need to get out of there. You need to change it, fix it, demand that it change. Stop taking that abuse. I'm not talking about that today. When I talk about that guy, I'm not talking about somebody who's actually abusing you in your life. You need to fix that. You need to get out of there, change it, separate that relationship, get rid of it, do whatever you can to protect yourself and your children if you're in a situation like that. And as another aside, if you are... A person who uses your words to manipulate and control or hurt other people, you need to stop it. You need to stop it right now. You need help. If you're abusing people, uh, if you're under pressure, you're not bridling your tongue, like that verse said that we talked about earlier, if you are the one who's actually doing the abusing, look in the mirror and get into your heart and figure out what's going on and go get some help and stop it. There's something in the church that people call generational curses. And Sometimes what they seem to mean is that there's some sort of a, a plague from the devil on families that follows them through generations, and I don't believe that that's actually a demonic thing in the sense that there's actually a real curse like you talk about with witches and stuff. I'm not talking about that. Generational curse is where you have a behavior pattern in a family. Alcohol is a good example. And that behavioral pattern follows this family through generations because nobody ever breaks the chain. And emotional abuse is one of those generational curses. If you're a boy and your dad thought it was funny to belittle you or be overly harsh with you when you couldn't throw a ball right or dropped something or couldn't do something properly because you were little and your dad made you feel bad with his words, and when you grow up, you use the same type of quote-unquote humor or teasing or giving people a hard time in the same way, your kids will grow up with that curse on them too. It's a generational form of emotional abuse, and you need to quit it. So how you break a generational curse is you decide that it's not going to go past you. If your dad was an alcoholic and he beat your mom up and he yelled at you, and he, you know, if your uncle sexually abused your sister and she grew up and had a low self-esteem and let other men abuse her too because of that, somebody's got to break that chain. And if you're the one that's got a generational curse on you of emotional abuse, make a decision today to stop it. You be the one who breaks that thing and doesn't pass it down to another generation. So that's where a tangent that we went off on. But I just want to say when I tell you that it's your fault if you let that guy get under your skin, I'm not talking about unsafe, emotionally damaging 
abusive patterns, you need to get out of there. Okay? Okay, let's move on. So what I'm talking about is that in every life, it's, it's just a fact, in everybody's life, there are some relationships that are just really difficult. There are other people in your life who consistently have attitudes, behaviors, habits, shortcomings, or issues that produce conflict or hardship for us. And we can't magically make those people disappear. So we're stuck in a life dealing with them. And how we do that affects our ability to have a happy, peaceful life. So since we can't avoid the issue, if we want to be successful in life, we have to learn to survive and thrive in spite of other people's behavior, in spite of that guy. It's our job to be okay anyway, despite of, in spite of what other people do. Now, how do we do that? And that is the million-dollar question, my friend. Well, the good news is I've got the answer. But first, let's talk about some neuroscience and some theology. One of the most remarkable things about the human mind is that it has the power to choose what it thinks about. That's why I'm always saying you can't change your life until you change your mind. You have the power to change how your brain works and what to focus on. In the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, there's a passage about how to deal with people who constantly oppose us. And it says to consider Jesus and how Jesus endured people who eventually crucified him. Jesus was the one guy who never did anything wrong but couldn't catch a break. Everybody was gossiping about him. Everybody was always trying to catch him in a lie or trap him in some way. And ultimately, they unfairly tried him, convicted him of something he did not do, and killed him. So the Bible says to consider Jesus. And the interesting thing is Hebrews twelve five tells us that the reason we should consider this is so that we will not grow weary or lose heart. That word consider means to ponder something, to think about something. The Bible is literally saying that by thinking about something, by choosing a particular thing to think about, we can change our mind about it. And that mind change will produce a change in our heart and will keep us from growing weary. It's fascinating to me that 2,000 years later, we've developed functional brain imaging now, and neuroscience has proven without any doubt that how we think can literally change the chemical way in which our brains function. That's why it's, it's really brain surgery. This is the most minimally invasive type of brain surgery known to man, that you can choose how you think and thereby change your brain. Choosing to think positively in any situation can dramatically improve how your mind works, and your mind determines everything about how you feel, think, and behave and react to others. Now, I want to read something that John Piper said about this. And I can't find the reference, so John Piper, if you happen to be listening to this, please understand that I'm citing you, and I thank you for this amazing guidance. I, I have this um, copied in a file, but I can't find the original source for it. So here's something John Piper wrote. One of the most remarkable capacities of the human mind is the capacity to direct its own attention to something it chooses. We can pause and say to our minds, think about this and not that. We can focus our attention on an idea or a picture or a problem or a hope. It is an amazing power. I doubt that animals have it. They are probably not self-reflective, but rather governed by impulse and instinct. Have you been neglecting this great weapon in the arsenal of your war against sin? The Bible calls us again and again to use this remarkable gift. Let's take it out and shine it up and put it to use. For example, Paul says in Romans 8, 5, and 6, those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. 
But those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. This is stunning. What you set your mind on determines whether the issue is life or death. I sense that many of us have become far too passive in our pursuit of change and wholeness and peace. I have the feeling that in our therapeutic age, we have fallen into the passive mindset of simply talking through our problems or dealing with our issues or discovering the roots of our brokenness in in our family of origin. But I see a much more aggressive, non-passive approach to change in the New Testament, namely, set your mind. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. Our emotions are governed in large measure by what we consider, what we think about, what we dwell on with our minds. For example, Jesus told us to consider the emotion of anxiety by what we consider, what we think about. Consider the ravens, consider the lilies in Luke 12. The mind is the window of the heart. If we let our minds constantly dwell on the dark, the heart will feel dark. But if we open the window of our mind to the light, the heart will feel the light. Above all, this great capacity of our minds to focus and consider is meant for considering Jesus, Hebrews 12.3. John Piper just wrote in, you know, eight or ten paragraphs what I've been saying for years. You get to choose what you think about and how you think The way you spend that mental energy determines how your life plays out. So what does that have to do with that guy, you might be asking? Well, I'm not much on interpersonal conflict. I've I've learned how to manage it in recent years, but in the past, this was a major issue for me. In fact, it was often short. Uh, it was often sort of taken advantage of, especially in my professional life, because I didn't like to cause trouble. So most of the time, if you treated me unfairly or did something to hurt me, I would just sort of walk away. I'd just turn the other cheek and and go away. So you might think that because I'm a Christian and that I thought it was a sin to argue or that I'm all holier than thou, but that's not true. The truth is, conflict made me sick. I just hated it. I hated interpersonal conflict. And over the course of my lifetime, the few times I had caused a scene or blown my top, it usually just turned out that I read it wrong. I ended up embarrassed. So I pretty much just didn't do that. I just wasn't very good at picking the time to blow up on somebody. So the result of that is that I often got taken advantage of. I let that happen to myself because of my need to avoid conflict. But guess what? I wasn't very loving about it. I might not have said anything to you if you were mean to me or if you blew up on me or yelled at me or called me names or didn't do right by me, but guess what I would do when I got to the car? (laughs) This is a confession. You know, sometimes when I was mad or had been mistreated or when I was anticipating an encounter with people who had been difficult to me in the past, I would spend the entire drive telling that person off. I would give them, boy, I would really give them the business. I'd blow off steam, decide exactly what I would say when I had my chance. I spent a lot of time in the shower, you know, really letting somebody have it. But then when I would see the person, I never said anything. Now, don't tell me you've never done that. I'm sure that you have. But that's the way I lived for a long time. And what's the problem with that? Let me tell you. When I spent time in the car or in the shower, mentally fighting or arguing or blasting someone, even if I didn't do it in real life, What effect did that have on that guy, on the other person, or on the situation? That's right, none. My emotional and mental energy that I spent preparing to blow this person up 
didn't affect the situation one bit. But what it did do was created a toxic stew of harmful neurotransmitters in my brain. It hurt my heart. It negatively affected my heart rate, my blood pressure, my attitude and thought processes for the whole day. And I guarantee you it also affected the way I treated the other people in my life. So when you're really mad at somebody and you're beating them up in your brain and you're spending all that energy and negativity, but you don't have the guts to actually deal with them, then you're probably not as nice or attentive or present with your spouse or family that you should be because you're tied up you're tied up mentally dealing with somebody else. So not a good situation. It usually affected the way I interacted with the people around me. Have you ever been around somebody and felt them seething about something or felt them being really sad? Even if they don't say a word, you can feel somebody else's emotions, can't you? I've told you before about this heart math idea. There's an institute called the Heart Math Institute, and the, these people have done some really interesting studies that your emotional energy, or you can call it aura or whatever you want to call it, it, it actually affects your electromagnetic field that your body puts off. And standing next to somebody in a really negative emotional state can affect your heart rate. So a bad vibe that somebody's putting off can actually affect your physiological state, which means that your emotional state changes your body's electrical field and can actually negatively or positively impact other people. So what's the point of that? When you harbor hateful feelings, when you harbor anger and resentment in your heart and your mind, it hurts you. And it can indirectly and directly hurt other people, even if you don't use negative words. And the truth is, there's just no lasting value in being a person who blows up on other people when you don't like their behavior. There's no real long-term positive change that it affects in them. And there's equal harm in being a person who blasts them privately, but doesn't deal with the situation directly. So where does that leave us when that guy is always out there messing up our lives? Well, here are some things that we can learn from neuroscience research. You can Google these ideas, and you'll, there's all kinds of information out there. But here's the punchlines. Number one, pointy words point in both directions, friend. When you use hateful words to try to change somebody else's behavior, try to shame them or put them in their place or react to something they've done or said, it creates wounds in both of you. If you poke somebody with your words, it's going to poke you too, and it's going to hurt your relationship and your brain and your heart and your life. Number two, aggressive, harsh behavior never produces lasting change in other people. It might change their outward behavior if they're afraid of you, but it will hurt your relationship and damage both of your hearts. It's just truth. You can verify it with a little research, but you can also verify it with a little life experience. When you're mean to somebody, they're going to be mean back or it's going to damage the relationship with them and you won't produce lasting change of a good nature. Number three, avoiding conflict and harboring anger and resentment in your heart hurts you more than learning to accept the difficulty of actually dealing with the conflict in a healthy way. And we'll do some how to deal with conflict episodes later. But the idea is that learning how to deal with conflict in a healthy way helps you in so many different parts of your life. Number four, when you allow an interaction with one person to cloud your heart, to ruin your emotional state, to fog up your brain, it will negatively affect you and everybody else around you. So then the question becomes, what do we do about that guy? So let me read you a scripture. There's a translation of the Bible called the voice translation. I really love how it words things. In Romans 12, 14 through 21 in the voice says this, If people mistreat or malign you, bless them. Always speak blessings, not curses. If some have cause to celebrate, join in the celebration. And if others are weeping, join in that as well. Work toward unity. 
and live in harmony with one another. Avoid thinking you are better than others or wiser than the rest. Instead, embrace common people and ordinary tasks. Do not retaliate with evil, regardless of the evil brought against you. Try to do what is good and right and honorable, as agreed upon by all people. If it is within your power, make peace with all people. Again, my loved ones, do not seek revenge. Instead, allow God's wrath to make sure justice is served. Turn it over to Him, for the Scriptures say, Revenge is mine, I will settle all scores. But consider this bit of wisdom. If your enemy is hungry... Give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because if you treat him kindly, it will be like keeping hot coals on top of his head. Never let evil get the best of you. Instead, overpower evil with the good. Another version of that passage says, As far as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Now think about that for a second. As far as it depends on you. How would your life play out if you lived that way? Because a lot of times we start worrying about how it depends on the other guy, on that guy. We start, boy, if he would change this or he would do that or she would not do this or she would do this instead or if she would quit saying that, we focus on the other guy trying to change them. But what the Bible says is as far as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Now, here's the deal. Learning to deal with that guy, that girl, in a way that makes you feel more peaceful is good to you. It doesn't have to be for them. It's good for you, even if it's not good for them. So your your job is to make sure that your brain and your heart are squared away because you can't actually change somebody else other than perhaps through good example and kindness. But you will never achieve lasting peace with somebody by bringing the same kind of fight to them that they're bringing to you. Obviously, it would be great if everything we did was altruistic and in other people's best interest all the time, but this isn't a help someone else make real life change podcast. This uh, this podcast is not about change somebody else's mind so you can change their life. (laughs) It's for me and it's for you. It's, It's about changing our minds and our lives because you can't help somebody else unless you can help yourself. And one of the best ways to help yourself is to set yourself free from allowing other people to control how you feel or how you behave or how you treat people. This is a prison from which you will never escape unless you stop being concerned about other people's behavior and more concerned about your own. That's really a big deal. Like I said, another version of the passage says, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with others. So what if you tried something different? What if you started this? What if you started trying to refuse to let someone else ever cloud your heart and mind with bad feelings? What if you just purposed in your heart that you're not going to let another person change your heart and your mind negatively? What if you started trying to make peace with others as far as it depends on you? How far would you go to make peace with others? What if you made a vow to pray for that guy all the way to work instead of blasting him to your steering wheel? What if you considered how bad someone else like Jesus suffered and still made it through so that you don't grow weary and lose heart? What if you decided to change your heart math? What if you prayed for more patience? What if you vowed to respond to that guy with kindness regardless of how they treat you? What if? What would that look like? Look at Matthew five forty three through 48. 
Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? So listen to me, friend. I wish I could see your eyes right now. Look in my eyes and (laughs) hear me say this. Here's the self-brain surgery technique for you that will set you free from the pain of being unable to change that guy. Make a promise to yourself that you will pray for that guy that you will pray for their healing, for whatever it is that's making them so unsavory. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their health. Pray for them more often and with greater fervor than you pray against them. Pray for them more often than you ask God to change their behavior to make it better for you. Pray more for them than what you you want out of that relationship. What if you did that? What if you thought about five things about that guy for a few seconds? Just just think about that guy and the five different things that are driving you nuts about him. So think about that, and then take a second and try to think of five other things. What's going on in that guy's life? Background, history, marriage, family, financial situation, work situation. What's going on that might be underneath this constant negative behavior? And since you can't really change it, what if you started praying about it? How would that help you? That's what I finally had to do with that guy in my life. I haven't told you that story, but there's a guy. I have a guy in my life that I just could never, ever, ever seem to be in peace with, no matter what I did. And I worked and worked and worked, and I tried that Romans 12 thing where I said I got to a point where I had gone as far as I could go. I had actually done everything I thought I could do to live in peace with that guy. And it just wasn't happening. And so what I had to do ultimately is just let it be in God's hands. I can't change it. I can't fix it. My words don't help. I would go in and try to apologize or try to figure out what was going on between the two of us. And he would just turn it into something worse. Just never seemed to get better. So finally, I just had to pray for him. And we do. We did. We sat and we prayed for their marriage and their family and their pains and the things that hurt them and to find a way, God, to ease into this person's heart and and break down those walls and make it better for them. And I just have to let it to be in God's hands. It finally that's that's what I finally had to do to break that chain and be free from that situation that that guy was causing because you can't change him, but God can. Time might, but you aren't likely to, friend. So the thing that's going to set you free, the brain surgery you need to do on yourself, is stop trying to change that guy. Quit it. It's time for you to start trying to change you. Change your mind. Because that will change your life. If there's a generational curse in your family of bad behaviors, bad attitudes, um, excessive teasing, you know, emotional abuse, any of those things, if that's been in your history, you can change that so it's not in the next generation. You can't make somebody else change it other than brute force, which doesn't last very long. But you can change you, and that, my friend, will set you free. It's self-brain surgery. It's biblical. It's consistent with neuroscience, and it's good self-care. Stop trying to change that guy and start working more on changing you. It'll help. You have to trust me, and you have to start today. 
I am so glad to have you listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by I've Seen the Interview, a neurosurgeon's look at faith, doubt, and the things we think we know. Available from Waterbrook Penguin Random House, everywhere books are sold. And don't forget to support your local booksellers. Hey, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And please share it with two or three friends so it grows and gets further out there in the world if you think it's helpful. Let's connect on social media. I'm at Dr. Lee Warren at D-R-L-E-E. W-A-R-R-E-N on Instagram and Twitter and Lisa is at Lisa D. Warren on Instagram and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to my website WLeeWarrenMD.com for more information about my books, my letter, the podcast, and everything else related to what I'm doing. And we've got a recent blog post that I think will help you. Check it out at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash hopelessness. The theme music for the show is Blue Highway by Pottington Bear via freemusicarchive.org Blue Highway by Pottington Bear at freemusicarchive.org. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and you have to start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. God bless you. Have a great day.